0: Hello, and welcome to the Tech Dirt Podcast. I'm Mike Masnick.
1: The world is increasingly technological, so we have better get methodical. Bringing precision to critical digital journalism with the singular vision of a modern monocle. Stopping the copyright
2: bullies from pulling the wall on us. Faiting and taking on all the play to pay to troll. Document the ways that they aim to take control. scrutinizing and do their lies and make them fold. If we don't stand up to them, someone will get hurt. To so grab a shovel and dig up the tech. If we don't stand up to them, someone will get
0: If you're a regular listener to this podcast, you know that over the last few years, we've been releasing a whole bunch of game-related projects, and we usually try to record a podcast uh, discussing each such release. We found that games are really uh, an amazingly useful tool for all different kinds of exploration either helping people to better understand complex ideas that are happening right now, or to think through various future possibilities. Our latest gaming project startup trail was released just last week in partnership with engine. Uh, the, uh, Nonprofit for Startups. Uh, This was kind of a first for us, and that is our first browser-based game, uh, as opposed to the the more event-type games that we've been releasing or the CIA card game that we released in the past. Uh, Startup Trail is a startup simulation game to help people better understand how government policy impacts startups and the careful balancing act that every startup needs to go through while trying to build a successful business while simultaneously dealing with various challenges and dealing with the impact of different policy changes. The goal of the game is to survive uh, and hopefully build a successful business, and it is not necessarily that easy to do so. Uh, for today's podcast, we wanted to talk about the game and how it was designed and the thought process behind it, and so to do so, we have a full cast of guests, uh, starting with my colleague Lee Bieden along with our game design partner, Randy Lubin, from Leverage Play, and then from Engine, we have Kate Tumorello and Abby Reeves. Uh, so welcome everyone to the podcast. We have a whole bunch of folks. Uh, Let's start from the beginning of this particular game, which is that almost a year ago, Kate, you sent me an email with the wonderful subject line, wacky idea to run by you. (laughs) Uh, And that started the ball rolling. So Kate, do you want to talk about uh, what got this wacky idea started?
3: Yeah, absolutely. And and thank you so much for having us on. Um, So for the last several years at engine we have been developing kind of a different style of game that we use in at the time you know back in 2018 in-person events but but still have been doing via zoom um and it's usually around issues that are contentious and controversial but nuanced um and we too find them super effective when uh you have kind of different sides approaching an issue with really entrenched views and there actually is a gray area in the middle and, and reasonable people can disagree emphasis on the word reasonable, um, but it tends to be that the other side just like can't see the facts on the ground. Um, and so we've found these games really helpful to put audience members for our events in the shoes of a startup founder or somebody trying to navigate a complicated issue. Um, so we have a whole library of games that are, um, you know, based around like, should startups be forced to build in a backdoor and the encryption debate or things like content moderation, which as you know, are incredibly complicated. Um, and it kind of killed me that these games were just sitting in a Google Drive, unused for the vast majority of the year, we kind of trot them out, maybe once a year at best. Um, and so I wanted to see if there was a way to take that library of content we developed, and bring it to game designers to know what they're doing, uh, you guys, uh, and turn it into something more evergreen and playable for, you know, people outside of the DC Hill audience that are usually our target when we do events.
0: Cool, and and so that led to to us discussing the idea, and then, um, you know, figuring out, you know, there were a whole bunch of things to figure out, which you know included sort of, you know, what what would this game include, what would it look like, how would it actually work, um, you know, one piece that was key to it is that you guys every year release your startup agenda, um, and that highlights a variety of different policy issues that you think are sort of most important for startups uh, and policymakers to, to, to be thinking about and to understand. Um, And so we sort of, you know, in, in partnership with you sort of use that as a guide for a lot of what we were, we were trying to do. Do you want to talk a little bit about, about the startup agenda and kind of, um, you know, the purpose of it?
3: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it, It really, for us is a good kind of catch all for, you know, a lot of policy issues don't, crop up consistently throughout the year. We wanted to make sure that we were putting out something that explained the whole spectrum of issues that impact startups. Um, so it touches on everything we work on from access to capital policy, to patent policy, to privacy policy, and everything in between. Um, and it's, I think, great for us as a marketing, quote unquote, tool to startups to help them explain, to help explain to them kind of, here's the things you should be thinking about. Here's what we're tracking. Um, but also the goal is always to have it as primers for policymakers and their staff who are maybe new to the issues, who aren't thinking about things like patent trolls or a patchwork of state privacy laws, um, to explain why the issues matter so much to startups and, uh, hopefully guide them towards productive positions. Uh, so it's, it's really like a kind of encyclopedic look at what we think about when we think about startup policy. Um, and it's changes every year and, um, you know, probably in 10 years will be three times as long because we'll have to add new issues. But right now, at least, it is a very good high-level overview of everything that we think startups should care about and that policymakers who care about startups
1: should care about.
0: Great. And uh, Randy, I want to turn to you now because this is somewhere around this point where we brought you in. uh, And obviously, we we work on a whole bunch of different game-related projects. uh, And you are also knowledgeable about the startup world because you've spent a lot of time in the startup world as well. Um, And so you know uh do you want to talk about kind of from from your side of things uh how the discussion went where we were sort of trying to work out how would we turn the startup agenda and the other sort of you know live type games that engine has developed into something that was was playable in this in this manner
1: yeah and this is a very fun design problem partly because it combines my love of games with my love of tech and startups and um yeah, there, there, there were a few interesting bits along the journey because uh, around the same time, or I guess a little bit slightly earlier than this conversation started, I had been working on StorySynth, which was a web-based platform for storytelling games. And so I already had in my mind a little bit of how we might be able to adapt some of that tech and approach to a game like this. Um, but in general, there were just so many fruitful paths to explore in, in taking these issues and dynamics and turning them into a game because games are so great at getting the player to try and really viscerally get a feel for trade-offs and consequences. Um, So one of the interesting design problems here is, okay, how much... Yeah, we, we knew that we were going to have a bunch of interesting dilemmas and choices uh, to make along the way, uh, partly inspired by Choose Your Own Adventure, partly inspired by Oregon Trail, um, but figuring out, OK, what are the right set of resources for people to be trading off, knowing that if any of these resources hit zero, it's probably game over. So we had a lot of back and forth and exploration. We ended up deciding on um, uh, capital or funding. Uh, as one, um, the uh, amount of users and user growth. As a second, and uh, as a third, the ultimate, the technology and capabilities and team of the of the startup. And so, as people faced impossible decision after impossible decision, they also had to be making trade-offs with all of these resources and thinking about the short term and long term impact. Um, and sort of going back a little bit to what Kate was talking about, I think you know games of this type and other types too are just so great at. Quickly showing people why there is never that like one easy answer that um, you know there there you can't just say oh why don't you just do X because there's all of these follow-on consequences.
0: Yeah, you know, I, I, one of the funny things I was talking about this with, with someone after the after the game was released and they were asking me questions about it, uh, and I pointed out that you know, I helped design the game and I have no idea what the best path through is. I, I couldn't tell you, even though I have access to the spreadsheet where we laid out all the different the different choices and all the different options. But, you know, and I'm sure if I went through carefully, I could probably figure out the, the best possible score. But, you know, just sitting down and playing the game, I have no idea. And in fact, you know, before, when we were testing out the game, before it was released to the public, you know, I tried to like score the best and I didn't do very well. Yeah. I think I died of my first attempt to score the best even though I I knew which things you know were, were going to be worse and, and which were better um, but uh, Abby let me bring you in here um, so you know part of you know what's important with with the game and and getting people to understand these different trade-offs and and the different challenges and and you know that that makes it difficult is is you know, coming up with all of these different dilemmas um, that people are dealing within the game, and um, you know, you were instrumental in sort of helping us work through the different dilemmas and figuring out what should be in the game, what should people be thinking about, and and how to sort of clearly, um, you know, get the get the different ideas across and, and represent them in in a realistic manner. Um, that was really important in the game. So, do you want to talk a little about? Um, You know, your approach and thinking in terms of the different dilemmas that players face when going through the game.
2: Yeah. Um, And I think, as Kate mentioned, we have we've been doing a lot of games at Engine for a smaller audiences for years. And they've been deep dives around the issues that we focus on in our agenda, content moderation, copyright infringement, tax policy, state laws, diversity of, or a patchwork of data security and user privacy laws across the country and across the globe. And I think one of the things that I really like about the game is the ability to put them all up near one another because, of course, a startup isn't just encountering concerns around uh, copyright infringement litigation over user content and that being the one policy issue that matters to them. They're also having to think about uh, finding a vendor who helps them comply with uh, Wayfair laws and comply with the tax laws in different states. They're also having to think about taking care of the security of the data that they have and thinking about their users' privacy. And so I think Uh, Being able to ask the games and ask the questions in this game and walk through your early stage startup, you're thinking about where to launch, you're thinking about how to do your early fundraising and who to hire, and there are policy issues at play in those really fundamental business establishment decisions, and then seeing the different sorts of policy problems that a startup can encounter throughout its life uh, is really valuable, and I think in large part and primarily informed by our conversations with startups and talking to them about the issues that they do encounter and the real lived experiences that the startups have gone through and they've shared them with us. And we've written them down in a lot of different places in the agenda and now bringing them to life in a new way. Great. Can I piggyback off yep. of
3: something I said? So um, I don't know if you remember this, Mike, but in 2018, that's when Engines started doing games. And I think we just like stole the idea from you and from Eric <laughs> Goldman after the Como conference. And I emailed you because I think the first thing we did was the encrypt the Nuts and Bolts of encryption series that we do every year. And I wanted to do a game of like, um, should this startup build in a back door? What are the competing pressures? What if you're approached by domestic abuse victims who use your encrypted service to find safety and stuff like that? Um, and I emailed you. Being like, I think I'm gonna do this, and he responded, being like, the event's two weeks away. That's insane. Like you, you can't do this. That's a crazy idea. And now, I mean, we did it at the time, but now working with you guys through this process, I totally understand why you said that. Because um, for us, our library of one-off games have been very contained. To Abby's point about the game that we just released being a chance to weave it all together. When we do things at events, it tends to be that, like, each round and its consequences are contained, or at most we're stringing three to five rounds together, and there are kind of clear consequences impacting a very small set of metrics, Um, and I don't think I fully appreciated how complicated it would be (laughs) to weave everything together across every policy issue we work on, Um, and so I totally appreciate now why you thought that idea was so crazy back in 2018, (laughs) Um, because doing at the scale that you guys do it at, at the scale we did it for Startup Trail. Is a very different beast than, um, yeah, the trade-offs of, of any one content moderation decision or any one encryption decision. Uh, so it's been a great learning experience in addition, hopefully, to being a learning tool for.
4: Part of that is also the power of doing it as this browser playable game, because, you know, when you're running a game at an event with a group, it's all human beings need to be keeping track of everything going on in their heads. And, you know, whereas this, we got the computer in the background keeping track of all the stuff. So it, it's that freedom to make it a little more complicated and have a lot more factors and, you know, decisions coming up later and stuff.
0: And and indeed, I mean, that was part of the design process of the game was figuring out what we what we could build, um, you know, as a browser-based game in terms of like, you know, can we remember the fact that, that you ignored the patent troll and, and later on in the game have the patent troll return if you did so, or, you know, depending on, you know, how careful you are with your security early on, does that impact you later in the game? Maybe it does, you know. Um, and, and so like figuring out ways to do that was was a little bit different than you know what we know with in person games. Like you can do some of those things, but it often requires somebody to sort of be tracking and remember, like, oh, I have to bring this back in. Um, and so there were there were some different design challenges um, on our end in terms of of you know um, you know building the the browser based game. Um, and and you know, but but the key to it from our perspective was you know we we wanted the game to be extremely realistic. Um, you know you can make and and we've seen other people have done sort of very simplistic Versions of games kind of like this that touch on a, a piece here or there, but often they feel kind of exaggerated and, and almost cartoonish. Um, and it was really important to us uh, and and to you, you know, this is this is more for the listener <laughs> that that this game, you know, really sort of reflected reality. You know, it it has to be simplified because it is still kind of you know a browser based game. There's only so much that you could do, um, but we we really wanted it to to reflect reality. Um, for For people who are um you know going in to play the game um and Kate, I think I'll throw this one to you like what do you think they should be thinking heading into it you know if if someone was was approaching this game and wanted to play it and wanted to do well how how should they be approaching it
3: um I think keeping in mind that there's no one right decision to your point earlier, but having no clear path to, to winning quote unquote. And, and really there's no even clear definition of winning in the game. There's losing. Right. Um, it's pretty clear what losing looks like, but there's several ways you can win. And I think that's really reflective of the experiences of the startup founders that we spend all of our time talking to. Um, but it's not as if, yeah, there's no silver bullet solution. There's no thing that makes everybody happy. Um, and, and, it, you know, you just said like we we couldn't do it um, hyper realistically just because of the limitations of not only the fact that it's a video game but like time. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes, yes.
3: We could have a game that takes ten hours to play that would be even more realistic and even more stressful to play. Um, but who who would play it through? So I think approaching it with the mindset of every choice that you're making is kind of a microcosm of a set of choices a startup founder has to make, and every level of stress you are feeling as the player. Um, is, you know, one 100th one of the stress that the startup founders feel, um, despite all being good actors acting in good faith to make the right decision, I think is a helpful mindset, because sometimes it can feel like, Critics and policymakers and and just general people assume, um, yeah, if you want to do the right thing, then you know what it is, the right thing is, and you right. just have to go do it, and it's not that easy.
0: Yeah, the, the idea that there's there are obvious choices, uh, you know, and, and sort of, you know, one of the kind of related things from, from our end in terms of designing this too is often like – when you have those kind of difficult choices and it's not clear, you know, what is the right thing to do, um, the consequences of those decisions aren't always immediately obvious. And that, that sort of presented an interesting challenge in designing the game, which is like, we want, you know, because we see it as an educational tool. Um, you know, we also wanted to make it fun, but, but, you know, there is the, the educational component is really important to it. So the decisions, if they have consequences, we need to have that reflected within the game, but it's not, it's not as much fun if like, you know, the consequences are always immediate. You know, you do this, then you know so you suddenly find out what what happens down the road the fact that things like the patent troll might come back later on um, was really important to the design of this and where it's like okay you know you make a decision you're like and if you know nothing happens right away you're like you know i made it but those things can can come back around later on um, and i think that that was really important and I'll, and i'll note like you know we've gotten a ton of really great feedback um, you know, on the game. But my favorite I think is, is Matthew Prince, the founder and CEO of Cloudflare who said that the game was, was very autobiographical, I think was the, the, the phrase that he used, which, which was really, really fantastic. And, and certainly, you know, not that we wanted to make him relive the, the, the difficult decisions of his life, but, you know, really kind of speaks to, to how authentic, uh, you know, we think, we think the, the, the game really is. Um, so Lee I actually wanted, wanted to go to you again um, just about kind of like you know one of the things that we had to decide because we're we're sort of demonstrating all of these different trade-offs and all of these different ideas and everything that's going on um, was you know designing the interface so that we could share a lot of information in a way that people could easily understand and follow um, and that was a lot put on your plate. So, so do you want to talk a little bit about the design? Sure. Ethic? And I,
4: I guess I should throw in, cause I realize I don't think we've said it and obviously the link will be in the show notes, but for anyone who's listening and just wants to type it in, it's startuptrail.engine.is. You can go to a uh, check out the game and play it. And that link will be in the show notes. Um, yeah. I mean the design, it, it's an interesting thing because obviously there are lots of text based sort of choose your own adventure inspired games out there. They have different needs and stuff. Um, I think, you know, before even getting to all the information to conveyed, we wanted it to have a a nice feel to people that it's not just a wall of very boring or plain text, you know, that can put off a lot of people. We wanted them to get into it and see, like, oh, this is a game, you know, and, and really feel like they're immersed in a game. I think, you know, we hit a good balance with the, you know, like we said, we settled down on three things. I think at different times throughout design, we'd had, you know, two or four or all sorts of different approaches to how many uh things we wanted to convey. And then we had a lot of back and forth. On, you know, how much information do do we want to put in there? So we had to make some important decisions early on, like we weren't gonna show people a lot of numbers. You know, obviously a lot of these things, especially money that we're tracking, could be conveyed entirely as numbers, but we thought, you know, that's a that's a lot to add. So we wanted right off the bat, you know, to have nice neat looking meters that are nice and big and clear and color coded. So you can kind of just visually see them moving up and down and are playing in a little bit more loose of a fashion. But then the other aspect was because we wanted this complexity of, you know, decisions you made earlier affecting your options in the future or your lack or abundance of different resources affecting what you're able to do. There was a lot we had to figure out you know with how to convey all that um in a convenient way without again just dumping it all on the screen at once so so you know we came okay. you know we we came up with a few systems that sort of married the game design and the the visual design of it to you know have ways of tracking the flags that people can see. And then we made heavy use of tool tips to let people get more information on what options are available to them or why those options are or are not available to them. And it was, you know, it was an interesting challenge to weave that all through the game because there's certainly more information we could have been exposing at any given point. Um, and conversely, we could have hidden a lot of that and that might've made players feel a bit too at sea. So i think you know one of the big compromises we made fairly early on and that you know i sort of needed to do a lot of the visual design was unfortunately the game you can't play it on mobile devices or on small screens because we just you know it was it's not inconceivable that we could adapt it for that but we really needed the space for a person to be able to see everything laid out for them and we needed you know uh that that sort of interactive higher level of interactivity to let people get through the game and uh yeah and then you know it was just a lot of uh polishing that stuff off and trying to make it clean and, and I think we did go back you know me and Randy we went back and forth a few times on you know when when stuff should appear on the screen or whether stuff should be hidden or not um and then I mean this is a a little bit tangential to the core game design, but I think I think the most fun and cool. Idea We had during it to add to it was the sort of Wordle style sharing feature as well to let people uh, get out there and share what they're doing sort of, again, in a visually interesting way instead of just posting links to the game. Um, So, yeah, no, it was an interesting process, and I think uh, it was really fun to... Dress it up and make it look really nice, and we, you know, we included some animations in there, and a lot of that intersected with the code. It was, you know, we had to do a lot of custom sort of programming to make some of these visual features possible. But uh, the end results. I, I hope and, and it seems to, you know, draw people in a little bit more with just the visuals and the way it's all presented. Uh, it could have been a much plainer text game and, and some very plain text games like that are great. And I think it could have worked as that. But I think it's even more fun that we sort of gave people this management console of their company with all the information on screen as, as they
1: navigate through the game. Something I'll add to that real quick or a couple things real quick. One, uh, I, I love that the final aesthetic ends up looking a lot like the startup agenda report in terms of color palette. And um, and one of the things in our mind from the beginning of this design was h- how do we make a playable report or a game out of a report uh, that is fun and also you know makes the content really engaging. So I, I think that the uh, visual component was a, a huge part to making it really feel like a unified thing with the report itself. And we embedded snippets from the report and called it calls to go to the relevant section, sections of the report within the game during the you know, relevant dilemmas. Uh, the other thing I'll say that sort of as a pair to the visual design and trying to really clearly and helpfully communicate things to the, the player through the visuals was making sure that in the, the first few uh turns of the game just you know from founding to series A we exposed players to as many of the sort of concepts as possible usually one at a time and uh, especially making sure that they saw the consequences to their actions um so you know seeing options unlocked based on early choices uh or options being locked because they went down a different path and and of course uh you know if they if they make a risky decision early on seeing that immediately uh pay off in a detrimental way um
4: yeah yeah, so, it's difficult um, to talk about sort of the visual design completely separate from the game design or the the programming and development of the game in this because they were also intertwined all the way through. You know, sometimes you have a finished product and say, we just need to make it look pretty. But this wasn't a case like this, like the development of the product itself and how it would look were sort of intertwined from day one all the way through to the end of the process.
0: Yeah, I, I was going to say, uh, do you guys want to talk a little bit just about kind of the technology that w- that we use to put this together? I know that we had some questions when when we launched it if we were using, you know, a tool like Twine or something like that, and I know that we had investigated that at the beginning. But um, do you guys want to just give doesn't we don't have to go too deep, but maybe a kind of quick overview of the technology behind it?
1: Yeah, so I can I can give a quick answer. We ended up using a. Uh custom coded, uh, game engine that we made, uh, using, uh, view.js, uh, as a sort of a single page site or app. Um, we did that for a few reasons. We had looked at Twine and Inkle and we felt that we were going to be hitting a bunch of friction, um, in terms of things that they didn't do as well, partly in terms of, um, the integration into game state and the making it really easy to visualize what we wanted to visualize. Cause so we didn't want to go full blown, um, 3D game engine tool like a Unity or Unreal because that was way overkill and a steeper learning curve than we wanted to engage with. Um, The beauty of doing things our way is that we had a really simple pipeline we were able to have from a a big Google sheet that had all of our game content in it um, to, you know, in less than a minute, just have that the latest version of that content pulled into the game into and then into a live playtest that we can uh, share with our collaborators or playtesters. So really, really quick feedback loop, and and having that content live in uh, Google Sheets meant it was, you know, easy to add comments or quickly update. Just um, really made collaboration and a quick iteration cycle a lot easier.
0: Great, and um, for for both Abby and Kate, um, who is it that you think? this game is for? Who should, who should be playing the game and what should they be getting out of it?
3: Yeah. So I've been shocked by the fact that startup founders want to play the game. If you asked me, if I wanted to play a video game pretending to be the executive director of a small tech policy nonprofit, I would say like, that sounds terrible. I do that all day for real. Why would I want to spend my free time thinking about that too? Like in a fun way, Uh, it doesn't sound fun at all, but um, that's not been the case at all. Startup founders, members of the startup ecosystem support orgs, incubators, accelerators, investors, all of them clearly are like really taking to this. And it's been kind of the the nicest surprise. Um, we designed, or we, we had this idea in mind, um, because we try to educate Hill staff and, and policymakers and their staff about these issues. Um, and that's kind of like my ideal audience. I would love for like a member of Congress to play the game and walk away being like, Oh, wow, we should really make policy decisions that make life easier for these folks, not harder. Um, and, and that's right. That's not mutually exclusive. That can still happen. But it's been a wonderful surprise at kind of the enthusiasm among the startup community. And I think part of that's right. They like see themselves in it and they feel like their their experience is being like recognized and heard because it is so accurate and and thoughtful. Um, but yeah, it's that's not who I would have said that at the beginning I set out to do this project for, but it, it's great to see them pick it up and be excited about it.
2: Yeah, I think... Also because, of course, intertwined throughout the entire game are the policy issues that are at play underpinning each of these decisions. And I think uh, implicit in each question in the game is is how policy can help support startup founders in making good decisions or nudge them to the decisions that really are optimal, uh, but also showing how policy can mitigate the downsides or where policy isn't working can exacerbate the downsides of really tough decisions. Um, And we want innovation and entrepreneurship to thrive, so let's let policy work for innovators and entrepreneurs. And I think for early stage founders, they these issues aren't on their radar yet. And so I think that there is a lot that early stage founders can learn. And for uh, an employee at a later stage startup that has a GC, the GC might be aware of all of these things, but the engineer who's working on some of the nuts and bolts of creating the service might not have insight into. They don't, the FBI doesn't come knocking on their door personally, but when the FBI comes knocking on the startup store, it does have implications for their work, the direction that the company takes. And so I think that there are a lot of people across the startup ecosystem that have a lot to learn. And also students who are thinking about going into the innovation space who want to be entrepreneurs who want to work in the startup space so everybody should play it's great um i've asked my whole family to play lots of friends so i think uh it's fun for the whole family
0: <laughs> that's great i've also seen like you know journalists playing a you know, journalist who, who cover the media space uh, cover the tech space um uh, and i think that's that's been a really great audience as as well um and and you know sort of recognizing you know what what is you know what the game is trying to teach, um, I'm I'm kind of curious, and you know w- you know we we spent a lot of time, obviously all of us kind of working on this game and, and building it out, and and I think I'll, I'll I'll say that we're all pretty happy with with how it turned out, um, but I'm I'm curious is there is there something that you thought you know really would have been cool if we could have included in the game that that didn't make it into the game that we'll we'll keep in mind for future variations? <laughs>
3: Um, this is. I mean, we discussed this at length, and I'm I happy with where we landed. But I do still wish there was a little more friction in choosing not to play as a woman of color founder. Um, just because I've been surprised by how many people do opt out. So for anyone who hasn't played, the, the default is that you play as a woman of color, which means that you have certain disadvantages because that is true of the ecosystem that we and the world that we live in. Um, and it, you know. It was very tough balancing, and, and, and you guys know this better than us, um, the, the like seriousness and severity of that issue with how to represent it in a video game, and, and that's why I, I'm happy with Where We Landed. I think it's a good middle ground, um, but I have been surprised at people opting out, and I'm not sure that the level of friction in the game sufficiently forces the player to internalize what they are accepting when they opt out. Um, and again, I don't know that there's a, a better solution than Where We Landed, but I think it's just watching people play it and say like, Oh, I, I picked playing as the white man who graduated from Stanford. It was like, do you know what that means? Do you understand what you've accepted when you choose that decision? Um, which is, you know, that's a whole other can of worms. So it's, like I said, happy where we landed, but I think that's, that's a place where there probably could have been a million right answers and a million wrong answers and, who's to say which is best.
4: (laughs) And the thing that did was very helpful on that front was your report as well. Because back when this game was originally conceived, it was really just about the startup agenda. But as we started digging into those issues a little more, you brought your other report on making the startup ecosystem more equitable to our attention, and that provided a lot of help with, you know, working those issues into it and gave us, you know, another source to link to in our throes to for people to explore the issues more deeply. So that was a big, a big advantage on that side that you had that other report. So on point for those issues to, to make use of. <laughs>
0: Yeah, and, and I think that was, that was something that we realized pretty early on that it was important to, to address that issue in some way but, but you're right, like figuring out the best way to do that is, is really, really tricky and, and we went through a variety of different options and we talked through a bunch of ideas um, and as you noted, sort of where it ends out is that the, the, the game really recommends uh, and, and sort of you know, nudges you towards um, you know, playing as a, as, as a woman of color um, as, you know, as a starting point um, and, and highlights the fact that, you know, doing so puts you at a disadvantage, uh, because, because of reality, unfortunately. Um, and you do have other options. Um, and we assume that most people wouldn't go there, but we, we certainly have seen that a lot of people do choose to, to play, you know, uh, you know, effectively play life on easy mode, <laughs> which, which you know, it says something in its own way, I think. Um, and so I think, you know, we, we sort of the, you know, where we came down is that if you are going to play, uh, in an easier way, you have to make the conscious decision to do so. Um, and, and we hope that, you know, maybe it doesn't internalize it as completely as, as would be nice, but, the fact that you have to make that conscious decision, you need to think through like, I am, I am opting out of the difficult, <laughs> uh, option. Um, was kind of where we came down on that. Um, Well, does, does anyone have anything else that we want to bring up or discuss about, about the game? I think, you know, if if you're listening to this and you haven't yet played it, go play it. It's really fun. It doesn't take that long. Uh, especially if you fail. (laughs) If you make bad decisions, you'll, you'll go home early. Uh, but you might, you might want to try again. I think what I've been seeing is that people who do fail early, uh, do go back and play it again, which is, is certainly part of the point. The idea is to try and get to a, a semi-successful outcome if you can. We're um, seeing a lot of people you know, with having- very
4: high scores on Twitter, which we know they did not get to on their first try. They only <laughs> got there by by retrying and backing out of a lot of failed decisions. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I I have I have congratulated and and given kudos to the people who are willing to post their failed results because if you fail, you still can still can post it. But seems like uh, people are a little hesitant to do so. I've seen a few people admit like this was my third try. I'm posting my third (laughs) my third result where I finally was was semi successful. So. And Um, that that was a design decision
4: we had to grapple with, right? Because we made it very easy for people to back out of most failures or poor decisions that they wanted to change. You know, there's another argument to be made that we could have made that more difficult. So people had to keep restarting and trying again, which might have hammered home the difficulty more, but also might have just led to a lot more people not making it very far into the game or not spending the time on it, you know?
0: Uh, Yeah, and I actually think that's a, that's a really good point to, to just do a really quick discussion on because uh, you know one of the challenges, the idea is that the game is supposed to be hard. It's not supposed to be easy to succeed because it's very difficult for startups to succeed. Um, but we also wanted people to learn about the different issues. And if you just failed at the beginning and never got to all of the difficult issues, that wouldn't be that effective either, and so that was an interesting sort of balancing act that that we had uh, to build into the game. And part of that is like on a lot of decisions, you know, you can back out of them, which you can't do in real life. But in, in the game, uh, you can, and you can begin to experience, or you can play the game again. And since it doesn't take that long, um, it's not it's not as big of a deal. But um, you know, that that was definitely one of the one of the challenges in sort of representing reality, but also educating people more broadly on all of the different policy challenges
2: yeah I played through again this morning and I nearly ran out of money on two occasions and I think um, I ended up at the end okay on financial health but I only owned 20% of my company at the end like it was it was a good outcome but maybe not the best and I think the thing that tripped me up round after round were questions around privacy and security and data localization and so I think it was um, it, and I'm a lawyer by training. I'm risk averse. You know, my impulse is to like go talk to an expert in that area of the law. And that became very costly. But I think it was helpful and really important for me to encounter that challenge as an early stage company that's thinking, okay, I got to comply with two different state laws Then it is. okay. I want to expand to Europe. How do I deal with uh, the fact that European law is different than what I've currently built to do? And then thinking about data localization and expanding globally uh, to India and it was good for me to have to go through that similar discomfort, but it took on very different flavors I got throughout the game. Um, and again, I almost uh, went out of business each time that that came up because it was a really expensive and difficult decision for me to maneuver, even though I played the game many times um, still. So I think, yeah, it's really great that the game was able to build that way.
4: Uh, It's interesting. The ownership stake in the company was something was sort of incorporated from early in the process, but making it as explicit as it is in the final game was actually a fairly late addition to the game, which I do think, you know, helped and added a lot because we wanted people to have lots of different funding options against that it was possible to get through the game, but also reflect that those aren't necessarily all as favorable as others. And and again, it's one of those balancing things because this isn't a game about, about getting rich or about the founder's payday like that's you know might come into it at the ending but that's not the point of the game so again it's always that balance of how much emphasis do we place on those things it's good to hear you saying about your instinct with always going to the lawyers to check too. there was a point earlier in development we had discussed having a sort of universal like consult the lawyers kind of option on almost every decision that might maybe cost a little extra money or a little time or something that proved a bit too complicated from a game design standpoint but I'm glad it worked in and enough choices that you can still kind of feel that pressure or feel that instinct as you're playing the game.
2: Yeah, yeah I hired a lot of attorneys. <laughs> and
3: I think that's actually something we talked to startup founders a lot about. We were we did a fly-in last week where we brought startup, startup founders to Capitol Hill. And in a meeting with staff, the staffer asked, how many of you have a lawyer on staff? And the founders laughed. It was like, we can't even imagine having enough money to have a lawyer on staff to grapple with some of the questions you're throwing at us. Um, and I think that's reflected in the game, right? It's, it's not it's not always easy or possible to bring in the experts. Um, and if you, if you do it every time at some point you run out of other resources. And so, um, yeah, the fact that, that Abby (laughs) stumbled upon that problem, I think is speaks to how well the actual game reflects reality for our founders.
0: Cool. Um, well, I think I think we can wrap up this uh, this discussion. Um, but um, you know, thanks, Kate, for for emailing me a year ago and and suggesting this, and uh, it's been an interesting journey. Uh, just you know, uh, going through and putting this all together, it's been you know, as, as Randy said at the beginning, a really really fun project to work on, and we are really i um, glad that, that, that you wanted to work with us on it and, and that this, this was a, a really great partnership in, in our mind. And I think the end product shows that. Um, and so again, I'm just going to recommend if, if you're listening to this and you haven't played it or you played and you didn't do as well as you think you should have done, uh, go back and play it again. <laughs> and uh, it's uh, startuptrail.engine.is and we'll link to it in, in the show notes as well. But uh, Kate and Abby, certainly thank you for, for uh, working with us on this project and thank you for joining us on the podcast and uh lee and randy of course always great working with you guys as well uh and this was this was a great project so uh thank you thank you yeah
3: thanks <laughs> to you
1: all
0: and uh also thanks to everyone for listening and we will be back next week
2: don't up to them someone if we don't up to them someone get Shove on the dick of the cat.